We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Cooley's with me today. We're going to get to the tight end that Washington signed from the International Pathway Program yesterday. Cooley's got a film breakdown of one player, and he's going to tease two other players that he's going to review uh, and recap on Friday. Uh, We're going to start, however, with Cooley and the picture that he sent me late last night of a massive rainbow trout that you caught that looks like it's every bit of 25 inches. And um, you really look to be... um, a guy that's entering, you know, Paul McClain territory, Brad Pitt, a river through, run I'm, through it territory as a fisherman. Yeah, I'm getting into my prime, really, truly getting into my prime here as a fisherman. I, I think what I'm doing is incredibly high level. You know, I, I'm comparing myself right now to kind of like that Philip Rivers talent, where I can I can make all the casts, I can. I can get all the things done. My anticipation's excellent. It, my delivery's a little shot putty. It's not perfect as far as, you know, the picturesque as the clock ticks right. like in a river runs through it. But as far as, I mean, I don't know anybody right now that can roll cast farther than I can. Nobody. <laughs> that can roll cast? What What is a roll cast again? So I only fly fish. So, when you, right. so, so the roll cast isn't the, all the way back and forth. Your line's extended all the way out on the water. You're picking your tip way up, and then you're doing like a big loop to roll it back out right. up the river. Yeah. I, I, I don't I, – I'm, I'm going to win the Rollcast National Championships, I think, this, this spring in May when I go down to Denver to do that. You're gonna you're gonna participate in a competition on a in a roll cast. No, competition? that's not. A, that's I don't think that's a real thing. I'm joking. Are, are you? Is this your new passion though? Right now, trout fishing. So the funny thing about this is it's like trout fishing's kind of always been a passion. I grew up trout fishing. Every time I came back here for the summer, I trout fished. I didn't fish that much living back east. Right. Um, I probably should have fished more because you can do a lot of fly fishing for whatever you want. You can fly fish for smallmouth. Well, there's great. Yeah, I've got, I've there's really good. It, man. There's really good <clears throat> trout fly fishing areas in Maryland and in Pennsylvania. You weren't that far yeah, but away you gotta from pay. it. You got to for most of them. You got to join a club. No, you don't. A lot of them you do. Yes, you do. No, you just needed a license with it with a trout stamp to mm-hmm. fish. Yeah, well, if you want to catch bigger fish, the club areas, the stretches of the river that people own that are club fishing are the big fish areas. Well, how much would something like that cost? Don't know. Right. 
Well, my point I don't is, know. I mean, look, like it's just it's nice to be outside. Like that's the coolest thing, and and you can do it anywhere here. I mean, there's private property more than when I grew up, even in Wyoming. But it's it's nice to be able to fish outside. You know, the funny thing about here, and it's not just with fishing. It's it's everything. It's camping. It's whatever you want to do. It a hike. You talk to somebody and, and they're like, "Oh man." Had an awesome trip fishing. Nice. Where'd you go? Oh, uh, you know, I, I, I really can't tell you. <laughs> right. You're like, dude, it's, it's, it, what do you think I'm a fisher spot out? The fish move up and down the river camping. Like, oh, we got a great camping spot. Cool. We should go together. Oh yeah. We'll, we'll go to the other place that it kind of, everyone goes, not our spot. What are, you, what are you afraid on the third Friday of the month? Uh, all of a sudden, my my I'm going to be in your camping spot. <laughs> He's going to show up in the tents already set up. You're like, who's here? Oh, Why hey, Bob. Bob, spot. it's Chris. I'm here with the kids it's- and Maddie. We're we're having a great time. This was a great, by the way, great recommendation on the spot. Really appreciate it. You're right. It's it's fantastic. I've told another five people about it. I, I told everyone I know. No, I went fishing two years ago with a buddy and look, it's not a secret where I went. I mean, it's not a secret place. It's, it's a little bit tougher to get to. And gosh, I've been a few times this place and we, do you knock him dead? And I go with my buddy and he's like, do not tell anybody where we're fishing. Do not. We do not want people up here. Like, (laughs) Hey, Hey, bro, him. (sighs) We had to drive two hours over 40 minutes on a bumpy ass dirt road and then walk three miles. Even if I tell all my friends, the chances that they're coming here is still low. You know, there is something though about what you're describing because you know that I'm not, you know, I'm not a fisherman anymore, but I grew up trout fishing and fly fishing because my father's a big fly fisherman. He still does a lot of trips. Um, And for whatever reason, I don't know why, but I didn't really... I got away from it. I didn't love it. Um, I didn't get my kids into it. Of course, I did the thing that all fathers did with kids, which is let's go fishing and we'll go to a pond and you get them one of those Zebco, you know, casters and put a bobber at the end of it and catch some sunfish and and catfish maybe. And by the way, there's nothing worse than going fishing with young kids and not catching anything and catching something quickly. That's the key or it is just way too slow. But what you were just describing is kind of uh, kind of this cool thing because I remember, you know, just the idea of oh, there's this place, you know, in Western Maryland. It's in it's near Deep Creek Lake. It's the Savage River, and if you walk, you know, if you get off on this exit and you walk three miles, there's this stretch of the river that rarely gets fished, and there's native brook trout, and there's big rainbows and browns, and you know, now you got to have a gun with you because there's black bear back in this area, and and the whole th- it, like there's something cool about discovering that. That untapped gem of a spot, right? And so oh, there's definitely, you know what? It, yeah, oh, there's something super cool. But you know what it's like when you talk about not, to, it's like people that morel hunt in Maryland and Virginia. And they set, they put out these pictures with like 200 morels. And you're like, oh, sweet. Where'd you find them? Um, in the trees. What is a morel hunt? Like a, 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 a morels are a delightful 
amazing mushroom. Oh yeah, of course. I thought you were talking about like a, a hunt, like is in an animal hunt. No, like a hunting for morels. Okay, for, for morel mushrooms. Got it. Okay, I didn't know that yeah. that was a thing. Like that's a, that that would be the fishing thing, and there's actually morel hunting here, and people obviously with everything here, they do the same thing. Huh. Wow, hunting for mushrooms. Well, we did it last year a bunch of times before we moved. My wife's way into morel hunting. And so when, when do you eat them there on the spot? No, you cook them. Yeah, you have to cook them, right, of course. They're, they're really, really good, though. I love mushrooms. Yeah, and morels taste like the best mushroom I've ever had. Okay, so... My, my daughter will eat morels. She's six. So we, we, we just moved to, like... Um, a food discussion, but it's part of a hunt conversation. But I was more talking about the untapped fishing area that people. Oh, you mean, yeah, yeah, the spot up there on the seven, like mile marker six? <laughs> mile marker six. Now you got to get out. There's not an obvious path. You're going to have to walk, you know, over a creek. So you're going to have to have your boots, and then you'll find this path about a quarter mile after you walk by the creek. And by the way, there's a tree house that you're going to pass on your left. And once you get to that path, Follow that path for three and a quarter miles. You'll come to a part of the river. Now, you're going to have to walk over the river and then up on the other side of the river a quarter of a mile, and then you'll get to this pristine, untapped area. By the way, the wildflowers, they're flowers that are beautiful. The daffodils mm -hmm. are great looking. And massive little pools with huge brown trout. You know, brown if you don't see daffodils, you're not there. You're not, you're not quite in the right area. Um. Yeah, so anyway, to your point, even if you describe this place, nobody's really going to put in the effort to find it, unless you're really dedicated. So your Phillip Rivers, what does that make you, about a four handicap as a fisher fisherman? Phillip Rivers is not a four handicap He's a scratch. quarterback. He's a scratch. Okay, He's a plus. This way. I'm fishing with a dude who, I think you can look, look him up, Tim Wade. Um, did a bunch of fly fishing videos forever. He's owned a fly fishing store in Cody for a long, long time. He doesn't outfish me. He doesn't outfish you? No. Really? Wow. No. You're very confident. Oh, here he is. My God. Tim Wade's been featured on ESPN before. Tim, he's he's amazing. He, he's been one of my favorite people that I've met out here. We've really become friends. He's older than me. I think he's 71, but that's never, I've never cared about that. No, you always so seem to get along a lot of time fishing and yeah. we get along really well. And he's a better fisherman. I mean, he's more Peyton Manning, like, you know, pure delivery, mm -hmm. patience, you know, we'll spend some time processing before he starts casting. Like he's turning rocks over. He's watching the river. He's got the technology or the terminology. Yeah. That that's one thing I don't have. Like his, his river talk terminology. I'm like, Ooh, you're saying the cool things about fishing. <laughs> what's a what's a real cool terminology? Fishing terminology. What was he word? calling this? He was talking about like it was like a it was it was like a little bend, like a little horseshoe of something. He was calling it something. I I don't know. Like I kind of have a good sense of where the fish are. Where is he it's, taking you? Um, the river. Which river? It's up there in Wyoming. We we fish in Wyoming in the river. Well, I know, but what's the name of the river? Well, but why would I tell you? I know. Come on. What is You're it? going to tell everybody out in is Maryland it, and Virginia, it, and they're going to they're going to Is it the North Fork of Wyoming. the Shoshone? It is not. Okay. 
it's actually, and you can look, I think you can look this up. It's, um, it's the wind river. Yeah. He's got something on his website about it. Before it turns into the Bighorn River, you know, this is actually really weird. There's a little town in Wyoming called Thermopolis, and right above Thermopolis, the Wind River, which comes out of the Wind River Range, turns into the Big River, or into the Bighorn River at a point which is called the Wedding of the Waters. There is no other river that comes into it, it just exchanges names. And the Wind River becomes the Bighorn River. Wow. So you got to pay the uh, reservation license you actually don't need a wyoming fishing license to fish that one you need the reservation license it's a little more pricey but that one fish is worth the whole license yeah he's got the latest april 9th report on the bighorn to wind river in thermopolis on his website i'm sure he's got i'm sure he's got midges coming off maybe maybe we're getting into blue wing olives (laughs) actually uh, you're into some zebra midges um into some yum yum scud into some uh, pink soft tackle, yuck bugs, Pat's rubber legs, uh, uh-huh, jig uh-huh. head nymphs. Yeah. You know, what's, you know what was crazy when we went? A lot of times when you fish, it, you're like, hey, what are they hitting on? And it's <laughs> not like river and syrup, the end of my line. It, the, but there's there's a color or something. or the, we, we caught fish on m- multiple different flies. Tiny, though. Like really if you look up what a size 16 or 18 hook is mm-hmm. like little tiny yeah, tiny tiny hooks yeah so it did it and it was all colors and all different types but tiny hooks and so he's he he likes you're not paying for these fishing trips with him because he charges a fortune to go fishing with him you're just a friend that fishes with him on occasion yeah that's pretty cool yeah he's that's been, really cool he's been featured on on espn several times Okay. He actually, we actually, he he has a video of me. I could, he sent it to me. I could send it to you. It's it's funny. I'm catching a fish, and he's guided this whole life. And it's a bigger fish, but it's not like I haven't caught bigger fish. And he's like, keep the tip up. Keep the. <laughs> he's, he's, he's coaching. Thanks you. for the coaching through the fish catching. Yeah. He's like, I'm sorry. I can't help it. I won't do it That's again. That's what he does. But I, it was the ultimate. We got towards the end of the day, and it was one of the ultimate compliments he was talking about someone and he said, yeah, he's a re- really good fisherman, maybe not as good as you, but a really good fisherman. And I was like, that's right. He's not as good as me because I'm awesome. Uh, the 25 inch or whatever rainbow that you sent me the picture of, were you fishing with him? Yeah. Is this, yeah. A, is this a special spot? It's no, I mean, I just explained to you where it was. Okay. Yeah. Right, it's one of the places so, he uh, advertises. It, it's it, it's it, fun, and it's um, I don't know if I don't know if they guide that river though where I was because it's reservation. It's actually interesting to to have a guided trip in that river. You got to pay a dude. You can't raft that river by yourself. Mm-hmm. By the way, I noticed um, that you've got you've got snow the next couple of days out where you live. Yeah, it'll bear. It's been cold this week, but it it won't. It'll be a dusting. And it'll melt. It'll melt off in the day. Because the picture you sent me, there was some snow in sort of the mountains in the background. It's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty out there. You're never. You're never moving but, back. But if you, if you look at that picture that I sent you, mm-hmm. I wet weighted. What does that mean? Which means no waders. Right. You've got. So it wasn't by the end of the day. It wasn't that cold. I was, you know, thigh deep in the water without waders. It was. It was chilly in the morning. Probably a poor decision in the morning. 
Yeah, not to have hip waders because the, the water had to be cold. Yeah, or full-length waders. But you weren't miserable. But I, I get knee surgery the 22nd. I can't, when I'm wearing those waders and I got big boots on it. The time before, I can't pick up my foot very good and I can't move around very good. The time before I went, I was catching a, a really nice brown, probably bigger than the rainbow, probably 40 inches. No, in all seriousness, really nice brown. And I kind of hit a rock on the back of my heel. I, I can't pick my left leg up. Like I can't even bend my left leg to 90 degrees right now. Oh. And I tripped and fell in the river up to my neck. Water, waders full of water. Sucked. Took them off. Ended up fishing for another hour, freezing, shivering. Well, <laughs> I, maybe maybe the cold helps your knee. Does. Yeah. It does. All right. Um, enough fishing talk. Uh, I'll send this. Uh, I'll send this picture out a little bit later. It's a good picture. You don't mind if I send this picture out, do you? I don't really care what you do with, with pictures I send to you. <laughs> well, I don't think this would be a picture that would even require uh, you know me asking you to send it out. It's a great picture of you holding a massive rainbow trout, having just apparently caught it. There's a big old net there down in the water too, next to you. How long did that, that take you to bring it in? Took about four minutes. Yeah. They get that thing. 4X liter. You know, you, but you know about all the liter stuff. I don't have to explain that to you. I know what the liter, the liter line is, yeah. But, I mean, you know all the weights and stuff. So. Not really. I know. Um, but I did. Well, we, for, for many years of my life, I had my own fly rod and... You know, we, we, we fished. I'll tell you where we fished all the time. I think I've told you this before. Big Hunting Creek and Little Hunting Creek in lovely Thurmont, Maryland, which is about 45 minutes away from here. It's on Route 15, um, you know, on the way to, you know, Pennsylvania. And, uh, you know, that, that is a big trout catch and return area. And we had, my father and I, we had our spots. We, you know, we parked the car at this one spot on the side of the road. And we walked down towards the stream. We knew exactly where the big pools were. And if you got there early enough, those fish were just waiting, waiting. We caught a, I, God, we, I, I was not, I'm not going to say I was a good fisherman, but I caught a lot of trout fly fishing that stream for many years until I was about, I don't know, 12, 13 years old. And then I really just wanted to do other things on the weekend. Yeah. That was what I preferred. Gamble. Well, you know. Watch, watch, I think I think essentially when, money when I started to play sports, um, especially over the summer and in the spring, that pretty much ended the fishing stuff. All right, uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, want to talk about this tight end briefly that Washington signed, and then Cooley will get to his film breakdown for the day right after this word from one of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, this morning on the radio show, I had Dane Brugler on. Dane does a massive draft preview for The Athletic. I mean, he does over 600 prospects and 400 and some reports and multiple mocks. Um, he was excellent. You can go listen to that at the team980.com or on the Odyssey app. Uh, Cooley's with me today. Um, we're going to get to his film breakdown here in a moment. But yesterday, Washington signed Samis uh, Reyes, a Chilean-born basketball player who played basketball at Tulane for two years. I'll get to that in a moment. But he was a part of something that I did not know existed. Maybe you did, Cooley. The International Pathway Program to the NFL. He had been working out at the IMG Academy in Florida. He participated in Florida's Pro Day. Good God, that Florida Pro Day video got sent all around. If you're a Washington football fan, you've already seen it more likely than not. You know, he's 6'6", 260 pounds, around a 46540. Um, I think his vertical was 40 inches. He bench pressed 225 pounds 31 times, and he was, uh, uh, you know, really turned heads at this pro day. One of the things I think I'm explaining this right that the International Pathway Program participants in this program get assigned to a random division. I'm assuming that's like the NFC East. I could be wrong about that. And then only those teams can pick from that pool of athletes that get signed, assigned to that division. So he was assigned to that division, and Marty Herney, who attended the Pro Day, made a move and signed him. They've got a need for a tight end. A lot of people already on Twitter have him like you had Thaddeus Moss last year as the Rookie of the Year. Now, he played two seasons of college basketball, has never played football before, He went out for his high school football team at North Broward Prep High in Florida, but quit a week into it because he thought his future was in the NBA. In two years of playing basketball at Tulane, really he only played a lot of games in one season and barely averaged more than eight minutes a game. Um, He averaged 0.8 points per game and 1.5 rebounds per game. Uh, before I get to what I was going to ask you about or tell you about and get your response to, did you see any of the video of this kid? And do you know anything about the International Pathway Program? I don't know enough about the International Pathway Program, but I, I told you I watched the entire Pro Day with Pitts. So, in turn, I watched the Pro Day with Reyes. And? Well, first of all, his new nickname is Ivan Drago. Yeah. Like, how is this dude not juiced? <laughs> okay. I mean, have you seen a guy this jacked? He's pretty jacked. I mean, he's he's more than jacked. He's almost Rocky Four jacked. So that would that, that's your. First, I don't know. Is that your first reaction? No, you guys. You guys talk about this stuff. You saw him. Is that your first reaction? I don't think he's. On, I don't think any of these guys really can get away with steroids. So no, it's not really my first reaction, but my, 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 one of my reactions is like, it doesn't matter how many like straight chicken breasts and eggs and egg whites I eat. 
uh, and how much I work like eight hours a day, my, my body will never look like his. Yeah. That's bull crap. <laughs> well, he is younger than you. Um, no, my body would have never looked like that when 25? I was five. No, no chance. Well, you weren't as big as he was, you know, to begin with. Yeah, I was. He's six six. Well, okay, I'm six four. Yeah. I mean, I'm weight wise, I was about the same as him. Right. He's six five. I mean, he's six five three. So he's six five, two sixty. I was an inch shorter and five pounds lighter. Bet you'd whip his ass in wrestling. Because it's, because <laughs> I, bet I don't want to wrestle him right now. Because here's the thing that I wanted to say to you. You know, we've got this, you know, long history of basketball players playing tight end. You know, Antonio Gates and Tony Gonzalez and Jimmy Graham and and you know Mo Ali Cox in recent years and and you know and and other player basketball players being NFL players like Julius Peppers. So the first thing I did when when you know my first of all from my son, look at this dude. Maybe this is the tight end answer. And by the way, the same sort of reaction from much of the fan base. The first thing that I wanted to do was I wanted to go see what kind of basketball player he was. So I. Yes. Because to me, and I, you and I have had these conversations in the past, basketball players can play almost anything if they're certain type of basketball players. And basketball players make good football players because of just the overall size, strength, speed, quickness, leaping ability, the whole thing. But also fluidity. the fluidity. Fluidity. The, 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 what I like to call the athletic coordination, too. You know, great hands, great feet, great eyes, great vision, great spatial, you know, understanding. So I went and watched the highlights of this guy. He's not a very good basketball player. Stiff. Okay, worse than stiff. Now, one of the things you do notice watching him play basketball, he's a big, strong dude. And if his vertical really is 40 inches, okay, but he's not explosive at all as a basketball player. Go back and watch Tony Gonzalez or or Jimmy Graham or Antonio Gates. I mean, Gates was played in an Elite Eight game for Kent State against Indiana. He was he was phenomenal. Um, Mo Ali Cox at VCU. My God, what an explosive, you know, two foot coordinated jumper. This dude is just a plotter. Like he's not a fluid athlete. So my first, the, the thing that I wanted to, to, to say to you, and it sounds like you see the same thing, this is not Antonio Gates. And by the way, in his pro day, you could tell he wasn't super comfortable catching the ball. Like, I don't, I don't know how coordinated he is. You know, he wasn't like, like some of the highlights in basketball, it wasn't like he was, he, he was a guy that couldn't walk and chew gum at the same time. Like, you will occasionally see a guy play basketball because he's 6'8", and he's 250, and he's got a 38-inch vertical, and he's built like Ivan Drago, but he can't play, and he's uncoordinated. Rarely you see those guys, but you see him every once in a while. This guy wasn't super uncoordinated, but he's not a fluid athlete. No, it's really weird, too. (laughs) Like, at some point, dropping out of football in high school because he thought his future was in basketball. <clears throat> Someone should have told him that it was not in basketball. Right. 
Yes. Guy, I, I know that basketball is probably way more popular where you're from, and I know that basketball is probably the sport you want to play, but you're built to play football, period. Yeah. So let's get good at that. Yeah. yeah no, I, I mean, I was watching I, – I watched that Pitts Pro Day, so he, you're watching him, and he can run. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, he can run. He can move. He's not – He's not unathletic. He's just – he's stiff in his hips. His fluidity is not quite there. Like his cone drill stuff, is, he, he's gotten to where his footwork's fast enough. It's not like he's not quick twitch, but like he's on his heels on everything. The thing with these guys, like Gates was just so naturally fluid as a route runner. Right. Like did things that – I mean, you, you just like, wow. And, you know, as I've been really going through kind of – thinking about teaching people to run routes and do stuff. I'm, I'm doing things like jabbing at the top of a route where you're really jabbing and snapping. And that's a wrestling type move. You're shooting a double leg, like you're jabbing, you're moving them. Like he's just running cones. He's not jabbing. He's off balance in all these cone drills. And, and then you just realize like, he's gonna have to learn a lot in terms of technically Becoming a sound player. I, I think he can. I mean, this dude looks like an absolute freak. I'm not saying that he can't be a big-time player or that he can't be a good football player. But he's not that natural, fluid athlete that I would just look at and say, wow. And in, in doing that, as good as he looked at his pro day, he he doesn't hold a candle to pits. Right. Like, you watch these two next to each other, and – we're not even going to talk about them in comparison. Now, th- all that said, Pitts is probably the best fluid, have everything tight end that I've seen in, in a long, long time. Like he, he's Vernon Davis speed, this guy Pitts, that really has great feet as well and, and can do a lot of things in terms of tempoing routes and stair-stepping and sticking at the top. He's He's incredible so not quite fair but like Samis Reyes or Samis Reyes isn't that guy no did you did you see what I saw which is a guy that looked a little bit uncomfortable catching the ball Uh uh-huh so I said on the radio show this morning maybe at that size maybe he's a blocking tight end maybe that's what he'll be good at yeah it's and and maybe it is and he certainly has the strength to do it but that's another nuance to playing tight end that doesn't just come from strength. I mean, it, it, it takes time to understand footwork and hand placement and, and hands and wh- what defenders are trying to sure. do and taking advantage of of their responsibilities and assignments and, and kind of getting a feel. That takes some time. Like all of it will take some time for him and here's the thing I, I think Kev is if when I say taking time, you see a guy start to really develop by mid year, one year end of first year, then you have something for sure. Yeah. If he, you get through the end of year one and you're like, uh, homeboy's still not quite there. Then you're going to question, can he develop? You know, you um just brought up a name, um, I think Vernon Davis would have been a phenomenal basketball player. I don't know if he played in high school. I actually don't know. He went to Dunbar. Um, but Vernon Davis, as a college football tight end at Maryland, was 
as impressive an athlete with a football in his hand as I think I've ever seen at that position. Kyle Pitts, is, he's different. Vernon Davis was so fast and so physical. Like, he would catch the ball, by the way, hands catcher, and then hold the ball out with one hand and would and stiff arm and take a guy and throw the guy with the other hand. And then he was, if you ever, I don't know if you ever watched any of Vernon Davis's Maryland highlight reel, he was sick. Watched it all. What'd you say? Yeah. I said I watched it all. Sick as, as an athlete. The, my, I guess my overall point, and, and you agree with it, this is not Antonio Gates. This isn't, you know, Tony Gonzalez or Jimmy Graham or Vernon Davis or Mo Cox or, you know, it's focusing on the guys that were basketball players. He, the, he's not that kind of an athlete. Doesn't mean uh-uh. that he can't develop into something, as you said, but this isn't, you know, a natural athlete, you know, football playing, you know, pass catching. He's not going to Jordan Reed cross somebody over, you know, uh-uh. in a slot. I mean, he might trip himself up trying to do it. Um, but yeah, he's not breaking he, at, at the point we're at right now. He's he really is not going to break somebody off. Like I don't see this guy as a guy that can can really like. Okay, let's let's just talk about like a, an in break on the right side. Like I don't see him as a guy that can really put his right foot down quick, open his left foot up big and wide, and set somebody, and then cross back over, plant his right, and go. That's not him. No. He's like chatter, 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 break with some speed. All right, uh, let's get to your film breakdown right after this word from one of our sponsors. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. All right, Chris, uh, Mac Jones and anything else you've got on quarterbacks today? Okay, so I mentioned to you last Friday that there's a million film breakdowns now on on the web yes on the line right i really i was just randomly going through some of the other quarterbacks and and some of the things because i've now become fascinated with like listening to dudes talk about quarterbacks (laughs) it's it's, it's amazing man and it's funny because there's not a million on every position like but everyone knows quarterback right go through them one more time and when you put film breakdown and then at the bottom of the video, I can see the ESPN headline running. Keep in mind, that's not film. It's <laughs> right. called the television breakdown. Yeah. You can't see the defense. <laughs> I'm like looking through like 10 of these. You're like, but guy, I, I see CNN in the corner <laughs> or C- CBS in the corner. Yeah. This isn't, this isn't film. I'm blown away by this idea that, man, someone five years ago when we were doing this stuff, and I like someone asked me if I would do it in, in one of the TV stations in, in DC, and, and the, everyone there was like, man, no one's going to watch a half hour of this. Well, now there's 7 million YouTube videos that span from 15 to 20 minutes straight, no breaks, to over an hour on some of these dudes. Right. 
Uh, I mean, it's look, amazing I, how popular this stuff has become. I get sent from listeners all the time. Have you seen this dude? The way he breaks down film, and I've stopped watching him because, well, you know, it's not just that I'm partial to you. I just understand that they, in more cases than not, don't have the same access, and they definitely don't have the same level of expertise. I asked you on the show the other day, what's the biggest mistake that these amateur film breakdown guys make? And you gave a very lengthy explanation because there's more than just one thing. And it's, you know, it's the same conversation we've had about pro football focus in the past. Not that they haven't improved in a lot of areas. But you have to have a real understanding going in of what the responsibilities um, and and reads are of players and quarterbacks in particular. And if you're if you're just watching, wow, that guy threw a perfect post route, right on the money, threw with anticipation, led him, caught it in stride, great accuracy, hung in the pocket, great footwork in the pocket. You're missing half of what the coaches are looking at and the scouts are looking at when they're breaking down the tape. I thought you know, and, and that's and I, I don't even know in talking to a ton of scouts how much a lot of the scouts truly understand like the offensive architecture, what that play design's creating, and what defenses we want to work that against. Uh, and and so many teams run you know one concept on one side, one concept on the other side. And if you've been in meetings and paid attention, if you played quarterback, if you, whatever, if you if you've been in high-level football and you've listened to why we're working a certain side, you realize why that certain side works. Um, and so when you're watching certain concepts and you're like, mm, dude, just work the wrong side of the field here. Yeah. It means you didn't see the coverage or understand the coverage. And, and there are times where he works the wrong side of the field, he throws a tight window throw, great, great throw. Completion. Cool. You're playing for Alabama. No big deal. Like your guy's better than their guy. It worked out. The the, the athletes got it done. Uh, NFL is not going to work that way that often. Right. And and even more, do that in practice a couple times, and do that in a preseason game. And coaches are like, this this guy's not going to play. We can't put him in. Right. So that that kind of overarching feel for the offensive design, and then and keep in mind like. Everyone runs the same stuff, and there's so many different ways to get to a lot of the same stuff, but everyone runs mostly the same type of stuff, and pretty much they read it out the same type of way. So if you don't have that feel for the way it's done, then you can sit there and tell me that he's got good feet, that he can throw the ball, blah, 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 but you can't tell me why. So that that would be that. Um, some guys are good, though. You know, I wormholed it this week just out of interest with a lot of these and not interest in the player interest in the actual person right. doing the video yeah. and if i can make it more than three minutes then they're, they're, you're either really funny and bad or or actually okay right all right so let's do mac jones here i i keep going through this and i keep thinking about the knocks the initial knocks on mac jones and, and one's just the alabama he's got dudes Right? Did we care that Tua had all the dudes that Mac Jones had, plus Rugs and Jerry Judy? <laughs> no. No. Yeah. Did, did he, he? It was it was tank for Tua year. Yeah. 
And I think I think it's just amazing because so much of that started with that big time throw in the national championship when he came in as a freshman. Oh, to, when he came in for Hurts, yeah. And they're like, wow, Jalen Hurts is a, is a guy that's won all these games, and they're playing Tua. Brought him in. They brought him back. Brought him in. And like, they're benching Hurts in this spot. Like Tua must be, he must be the best ever. And it was more like, yeah. I mean, it was just that Jalen Hurts wasn't as good as Tua, and they knew that. But I mean, Kev, would you look at Mac Jones? Like he played in seventeen games. I mean, it's not like he didn't play in. It wasn't. It wasn't just the one year deal. He, he played over a little bit over a two year span. But he's completing 77%, buddy. 4,500 yards. Yeah, but you said don't focus on completion percentage with Ohio State and Alabama. And I mean, don't like tr- don't truly focus on it. No, but, I mean, 77 is as good as it gets. In college <laughs> well, 77 is really high. Yeah. Like, he threw for 400 yards and, against good defenses. Yep. And, it, it, like, mm-hmm. the thing that people get stuck on, too, is it's like because of how he looks and his unathleticness, it's like, yeah, he's a he's a process distributor, and it's just like Kirk Cousins. People are still doing that with Kirk Cousins. Like, yeah, process guy, distribute guy. That's it. Kirk pushes the football down the field as much as anybody in the league. Mac Jones pushes the football down the field as much as anybody in college football. And they're not the thing with Mac Jones is they're not just drawn up, designed, look this way to throw this ball deep. Like he'll, he'll read coverage out to get to the deep throws. The other thing I, I love is like. Ags looks like Tom Brady. It's not as good as Tom Brady, but that's it. That's him. Yeah, yeah, because he's got pure dad body. He's not in incredible shape. But it's like, is he as good as Tom Brady when Tom Brady was at Michigan? Yeah, probably. I mean, Tom did a lot of developing with the Patriots and over his time in the league. Like, let's not say he's not Tom Brady because he hasn't played the 29 Super Bowls. Right. He's comparable to that Brady Michigan. <laughs> I mean, whatever. All right. The things, some of the questions that I would have one, I think he can overprocess things. I, I think at times he'll get to the check down and overprocess. And this is, this is like simple because I, uh, I don't want to waste too much time saying he, he's an overprocessor, but I, I do think he can overprocess some of these things. Like, Initial down the field shot windows. I think he can miss at times and just hit the check down. That helps his completion percentage. But the the other thing is like, okay, well, I got a baller running a check down who's probably going to get thirteen yards anyways. (laughs) Not Jay Harris. I'm going to check it down to one of the best best running backs in the country. Right. Who's going to break three tackles and get seventeen yards? So, yeah, I'm not that worried about it. Like, I'm not checking it down to, you know, rando dude from Moorhead State two yards behind the line of scrimmage. Like, I'm in, he's in timing hitting these checkdowns quick. Mm-hmm. But there are times when he's hitting a checkdown or something underneath where I think he probably had number one. Uh, he lacks playmaking ability. He's not a runner. That everyone understands that he's not a non-athlete. Let's let's not pretend that he's not an athlete. Like the guy can move and he can get out of the pocket and get six yards on a scramble, but his playmaking ability and off-script ability isn't isn't phenomenal. I was watching the Arkansas game and he starts to scramble right and he slips the pocket and a real 
dynamic athletes now going to make a arm angle change throw and hit his receiver in the end zone. And Jones throws it behind his receiver as he's trying to make that athletic move. And it ends up getting picked. This one actually got called back. So it didn't count as a pick, but this was a pick in the red zone. So, I mean, the, the playmaking scramble off script stuff. Yeah. Not fully there. You could see that you could see that in the Georgia game in particular. That Georgia, you know, in terms of the overall team and defense in the SEC this year was probably the best team. And I watched some of that first half against Georgia, the TV, you know, YouTube version. And he I thought that that was the game that he looked sort of uncomfortable and um and maybe a little bit overwhelmed and athletically not able to extend enough to to overcome that defense. I don't I forget how many Still times. Still threw for over 400 yards in that game. It, 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 the second half was incredible. They they were down in that game. I, I, I'm going to say they were down a touchdown at halftime in that game, and he had been sacked. He may have thrown a pick or two in that game. Hold on for a second. Well, he threw a, he threw a pick early in that game. <clears throat> yeah, the, one the, the, the first, the first, gets, first drive gets, of the gets, game. First drive, but he's, that's not his fault. He gets drilled in the back, and the ball flutters right. in the air, and Georgia's defenders are yelling 500. Yeah, but there was another but, near pick on a third and, and, and nine or something like that before a punt. Sure. They, were, they were down. like They were not moving the football against Georgia at all in that, in that first half. I'm pulling up the box score right now. All right, it was 24-20 to 20 Georgia at halftime. It was 17-10 late in the first half. Um... You know, for Alabama to be, you know, that that that's a that's a good defensive job against Alabama. But go ahead, continue. No, and then he and then he just they unloaded in the second half. Un- unloaded, they ran the football too really well. They always always no, had ran, ran the ball well. Some of the the play action stuff is really good. Um, but yeah, so the off script playmaking ability not amazing. I think he can over move in the pocket at times. Like I can, I think he can slide when he doesn't need to slide. He likes to slide to a, to a receiver. Like if he's got a crosser, he wants to take like three steps sliding left and throw the crosser. That's cool because your left tackle is going to dominate somebody at Alabama, but you, you can't over slide in the league. Just randomly start sliding out to the left. Like that's not as much. Those pockets will be there in that fashion where it's not even a pocket. It's just, there's a deno- denotation line of like, they didn't get past here if they didn't blitz or get someone free. Right. So I think he can overslide in the pocket. Um, as a runner, he, he's not a slider. He's going to have to learn how to slide. Like he's always got this awkward half slide forward, hit his knees, fall forward, diving forward kind of deal. Mm-hmm. He, he's not a great slider. Mm-hmm. I always think that's so funny, but it's important because you just you don't want to take those shots. No. And it's awkward. He may not run a lot, though. And and it's so wild. Like six years ago, you don't want you don't want a guy that really runs at all. <laughs> yeah, right. And now all of a sudden we're like, yeah. The knock is is that he doesn't run a four five. It's crazy. Okay. Well, the thing I like is that he gets the ball to the receiver who runs a four three quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and kind of the last thing for me is I, I actually do think I don't think he throws a limp noodle out there. I think he's got a good arm. We'll go through that, but it's almost like he's got all the clubs in his bag, but he's still hitting that the the big Bertha driver from 1999 because he knows he can hit it straight. 
but the tech, like, but he's losing thirty yards the, because he doesn't new, have new. If you get the new, new tailor made, yeah, yeah. If you get the new tailor made, you get the extra thirty yards. And he's like, yeah, I know that, but I mean, I hit this big Bertha straight, so I'll I'll play at two forty. <laughs> you know what? I had one of those Nike drivers for years. You know, Nike doesn't even make clubs anymore. And I just refused to get rid of it, you know, even with, the, every, with all the new technology. Up until four, five years ago, I was still hitting it because I knew I could hit it, you know, 240, 250 to where I wanted to hit it in the center of the fairway or at least, you know, close to enough to the fairway. I knew I would make good contact with it. I realized how much I was losing in technology you know, yardage in length and finally went to the new ping driver that I have now. But now this is outdated. I got to get a new, I got to get a new driver because guys, I, I'm, I think I'm losing 15, 20 yards on my drive now. It certainly it's could be attributed to, could be swing speed it's, though. It, well, it might be, <laughs> but it's, it's so funny. It drives me so crazy. Like you're playing a, a longer hole and the guy's like pulling out his three wood again. Like, could you just go learn to hit your driver so you can play real golf? Well, I don't have a problem with a guy that hits a three wood, you know, two seventy five. You know, yeah, yeah. Because no, I know, th- I know guy. those I'm guys too. I know hits at two two twenty five. just knows his driver's going out. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, my my very good dear friend Scott Van Pelt will not hit a driver, and I'm like, what are you doing? Just hit your fucking driver. I I hit my five wood better. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I know, but you you can hit your five wood two hundred and thirty yards. If you learned how to hit the driver, you know, with your size, it might go two ninety or two seventy five. And he goes, "It doesn't matter. I'm gonna I'm hitting the clubs that I feel comfortable hitting." Well, that's why you're always going to be, you know, a fourteen. And, and he's fine with being a fourteen. All this said, I don't think Mac Jones is. By the way, that's all I am. Um, but anyway, go ahead. I don't think Mac Jones's ability to throw the ball 70 yards down the field is ever going to change. I think you have that or you don't have that. Right. So, you know, he's going to keep playing that big Bertha driver. Right. Because Grammy gave it to him in a long time ago. He was because <laughs> one of our friends didn't, didn't like it. And, you know, is the best he could get. <laughs> and it's, He's gonna keep, he's gonna keep hitting the big Bertha driver, and he's gonna keep checking it down quickly to Roy Halu. <laughs> it was was it was like, it Roy Halu who think... had the fifteen catches against the 49ers? It was right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fourteen. Do you think... I think it was fourteen catches actually. <laughs> right. Do, do you think Tom Brady's got the new tailor made? Uh, he's got the tailor made that literally just got made, and no one else has hit it. <laughs> TB12, brother. TB12. I don't know that there's going to be an MJ. What was his jersey number at Alabama? I can't even remember right now. Number 10, maybe. I don't know. Um, MJ10, you think he's with that body that he's going to reform it? No. So what? Yeah. So let's get to the nuts and bolts here. You know, strengths. Positive, okay, so, negative. So here's the thing. I here's the thing I like about Mac Jones. One, I think he's an accurate quarterback. I I, I do. I mean, it's we're talking about a guy that it, it doesn't always pinpoint. And I think I talked about this with Fields the other day. It's like there's relative accuracy, but he doesn't have wild misses. Like he's more consistently accurate w- with the football. He's putting it on guys, and he puts it on with different velocities. He he knows how to throw a touch. He knows how to drive the ball down the field. I, I think there's a lot he does with that. Um, 
throwing mechanics really good like when you watch him the ball's out quick it it's up and over it's out quick like i'm sure if you're if you're going to time mac jones it's out a tenth faster than fields most of the time especially throwing the ball down the field vertically like the ball's up out he's over the top he's clean with his throwing mechanics i think he could use some work on the lower half mechanically like at the top of his drop he's always hitting leaning back and then it's almost like he's hitting his heels and he's driving in his way upright. Like if he hits his toes, he's going to be ready to throw quicker. That's something they'll work on. That That is easily learned and trained. Lower half mechanics needs a little bit of work. Upper half mechanics, I think, is outstanding. Ball's out quick. Ability to distribute, awesome. He Mac Jones, as good as anybody that, that I've really seen, can go across the board, as Mike Shanahan would put it, like work the left side of the field all the way across. One, two, three, four, five. Boom, 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 boom. He will turn down one, two, three, like right now. He knows it. He sees it. He's got a great feel for that. Coaches love the ability to at least, as a young quarterback, go across the board. Like, And Mike has talked about this, and I've talked about it as well. Like He had to go across the board with Steve Young because Steve Young initially couldn't necessarily cut the field in half and see the coverage. But he was so quick with release that he just let Steve go first open guy, left to right. Boom, right. boom, 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 first open guy. And Steve could hit that dude. Um, so that's that's great. I, he processes routes and coverage really, really well. I think it's awesome for a college quarterback. And when you watch him go one, two, three, it's, it's pro-level speed that he's going across the board in one, two, three. Um, I do think that he can make downfield throws and drop dimes, like the, the drop it in the bucket thing that everyone's going to say, which came from when they were practicing those downfield throws, they're throwing it into a garbage can or a bucket. That's why they say drop it in a bucket. Right. Because they would put a big garbage can and you try to throw it right in that bucket. Like he can do that. He throws dimes down the field. Um, talk about arm strength, not maybe the 60 yard down, the, but the ability to throw an out to the field side and even like a 10 to 15 yard out to the field side balls on time and rhythm. It's getting there. He's driving the ball plenty well for what an NFL guy wants. He can rip it. I think he really can. I think he's got courage in the pocket as well. For a guy that I said maybe moves too much at times, yeah. I see him take a lot of shots as he's letting the ball. That's go. what I was going to ask you. Does he hang in there and take the shots? No problem. He will hang in there and he will take the shots. And he's a big dude. Yeah. Six three, what two twenty something like that. Yeah, he looks like a big dude. I mean, he's he's got no muscle mass on him whatsoever. You look at him. I think in the championship after the championship game with his shirt off, and you're like, this blob. He's just not cool. Right. That's the problem right now. I think one, he's got all this talent. Oh, keep in mind, he had Waddle for like five games. He didn't have him the whole season. Well, yeah, Waddle got he got injured in the uh, Tennessee game. Yeah, yeah. So he does have a ton of talent, and, and we'll look at the next next year, and there'll be another at least one, if not two, Alabama receivers that'll be first round draft picks because that's who they are. And again, they develop them as well as anybody in the league. They're awesome at teaching receivers. But he's just—he's just not cool. Like he does—he doesn't look cool on the field. He doesn't have great movement and speed. But God, Kev, he gets the ball where it needs to be, and he gets it in the timing of the play. Who's his? He's the third. He's the third third quarterback taken. Okay. No question. Not even. There's not even a shadow of a doubt in my mind that San Francisco goes any direction but Mac Jones. 
They traded up to get Mac Jones. Watching five games on film, watching one game on film was enough. Because why? Because you think he is the third best quarterback or because the fit with the 49ers is perfect? I think without question, he's the third best quarterback if he's not the second best quarterback. Really? And that'll play out as to what happens over the next five years in the league. But if you think about this, like Mac Jones is this is so ideal for Mac Jones to go three to San Francisco to an offense where he will fit perfect with a coach that knows how to scheme up the run game and be able to create play action stuff and get him across the board on some of the easy reads and have guys like Kittle who are going to win immediately. And he will probably have the best year. Of the rookies. Of the rookies. And that doesn't mean that he will, in the long run, be the best quarterback out of the three. You know, if his ceiling's the eighth best quarterback in the league, you, you're still going to take you think he's the most, overall. He's the most ready. Who, who is his? Well, I think, I think that I, I'm not, no, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that I think he's the most ready right now. But the, I think but he's the ready, team, but, but the I team think he's going to go, yeah, I think he's going to go to the best team. And I think if, really, I think if, Lawrence or Wilson went to the 49ers, they would have the best year as well. Like going to Jacksonville is not going to be easy for Trevor Lawrence right. if it is Trevor Lawrence. If it is. Because you're with a first time NFL coach and a completely rebuilt roster with a, a, a new offense for everybody versus same as the Jets. You're with a completely new team in a rebuild type of offense that didn't have weapons last year with a new coordinator that's going to teach a new system. I bet the you... third guy is going to San Francisco with dudes to throw the ball to that are well versed in an offense. Now this is their fourth year in that offense. I think the Jets. I think the Jets are a much worse place to go to than Jacksonville. By the way, I think Jacksonville actually has better talent than we think. And Urban Meyer, you know, as an offensive mind, I remember they had that running back that really, you know, came out of nowhere, James Robinson. They've got DJ Chark. They had the guy from Colorado, Chenault Jr. They've got um, – they added uh, – what's his face from the Lions in free agency? Kenny Galladay. No. Right. Galladay went to the Giants. Um, the other yeah. one. The other one. I know who uh, it is. Why can't I think about it? Okay. I'll come up with it. Hold on. Let me go to our lads. Um, yeah, you come up with that. But, yeah, you, when, you, when you're looking at the Jets – you're like Marvin Jones. Marvin who, Jones. Marvin Jones. Who, who are they going to throw the ball to for the Jets? You, you're talking about Corey Davis, Denzel Mims. Corey Davis is going to be a good player. I think so. But Denzel Mims. Oh, they signed Keelan Cole, who wasn't Jacksonville. Oh, right. Who was a pretty good player. I thought True. Keelan Cole was a, a decent player. And yeah, I mean, they got Josh Doxson over there. <laughs> Remember, too, Jacksonville still has. You know, let's not forget they still have talent on defense. They got Josh Allen. They've got Miles Jack. Um, they've got um, they got Shaq Griffin, who they obviously signed in free agency. They had all that. You know, they had all that uh, cap room. Uh, I I don't think Jacksonville's the worst place in the world for Trevor Lawrence to have landed, especially considering the coach. But anyway, uh, Mac Jones, you think? is the third best quarterback in this draft, if not the second, which means that you think that he's comparable with Zach Wilson. Nope. He's comparable with Trevor Lawrence? Yep. Really? 
we'll get to this on Friday because I need to spend a little bit more time. But I think Zach Wilson's the best quarterback in the draft. Wow. When you look at today's NFL and you look at what some of these guys are doing, when you look at Mahomes, the arm angle stuff, make every throw, be able to move. I I know Zach Wilson played at BYU, but and that's not that's not Clemson. But Zach Wilson is the most fluid of all the quarterbacks. He's the most truly natural thrower of football. Wow. You know, um, I mean, and I've watched a little bit of Lawrence, not enough. And I like Lawrence. He's a pure quarterback. And don't, don't get me wrong. I think Lawrence is a good player. And he's a baller too, man. Like he is a clutch guy and was. Yeah, he is. And he's a winner and he's everything that you want in a quarterback. And there's nothing that says that it would be the wrong pick other than Zach Wilson's better. So that's your tease for Friday. That that's the tease is and and again we'll talk about it more and more on Friday. But as I watched a couple hours of both of them this week, I, I think, and I think Urban Meyer's got balls, dude. I do. I think he's got it, and it's going to take balls to not just take Trevor Lawrence because everyone in the world says you're supposed to take Trevor Lawrence, but Zach Wilson's a better player. Um, Chris Sims thinks that Zach Wilson should go number one as well. I don't know if that means anything to you. Um, he's the only one that I've seen do that. By the way, just back to Mac Jones for one quick second. Who's his comp? Like, who, give me an NFL comp. Obviously, you spoke in a lot of the ways that Kyle Kirk. would speak about Kirk. I think Kirk's a really good comp. Well, then. Uh, I don't think that, that Tom Brady is a bad comp. I just don't think it's fair to comp anybody to the greatest player of all. What about Matt Ryan? Yeah, Matt Ryan's a great comp. I, I think that there's a ton of similarities with, with Matt Ryan. Yeah. I, I think that, like, oddly enough, I watched so much of this, and I don't think that Matt Schaub was elite, but for a couple of years, Matt Schaub was excellent. With Kyle. In Houston, with, with Kyle. Kyle. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of similarities to Schaub. Kyle's going to see things that he, he's, he sees things. He's not going to. He's, he's already seen them. He sees things in Mac Jones that he's seen with quarterbacks that he's really liked. Kirk Cousins, Matt Schaub, et cetera. Yeah, it's the things that, you know, you, you, they've they've told us before. Mike's told me. Smart, processing, throws with anticipation, accuracy. All of the, the, I mean, those things are super important to them. You know, being able to turn their back to a defense on, as they call them, the QB keeper, we like to call the bootleg, and then, you know, and then immediately process everything that's going on. Yeah, I, it just. Um, all right, that's that's a really interesting um, result on Mac Jones. Uh, basically, Mac Jones, you think might be the second best quarterback in this draft, but definitely is going to San Francisco at three. You have no doubts about that. That that. And by the way, it's it's easy if it were any other team. Unless it was like a a you know Shanahan tree coordinator, you know a Kubiak or something like that, this would be th- this makes it so obvious to you. Like as Trey, even though you said the other day Trey Lance, you could see going to number three because he's played under center and he's going to be a really good boot and a really good you know play action quarterback. You think they made that trade up to draft Mac Jones? Definitely, without a, without question. After watching him, without question, and and I do I like Lance. I, I think that there's some stuff to him. You know, there's one other interesting quarterback that I started watching a little bit who I think is pretty darn good. It's Kellen Mond. 
Okay. This weird dude I know kind of told me to watch him. He's also a good quarterback. It'll be weird how these fall these fall out after these guys will all watch all this tape. I it's going to actually be really fascinating. I didn't tell you to, to watch to him for the same. I told you to watch him for the same reason I told you to watch Dwayne Haskins three years ago because I don't like Mond at all. I think Mond's got some stuff to him, but again, I spent very little time watching him. But watching him a little bit, I was like. Okay, okay, let's see. One more quarterback name to mention right after this word from one of our sponsors. So Mel Kuyper in his version 3.0 two-round draft, um, he also, by the way, totally agrees with you, Um, as does Dane Brugler, who's convinced, uh, I had him on the show this morning, that Mac Jones is going three to, to San Francisco. Um, but um, Kuyper basically said the sixth quarterback in this draft now is going to be Davis Mills from Stanford. That Mond and Trask are dropping. Um, his comment yesterday was media people like Mond and Trask more than the scouts do. Um, I had Brugler on the show this morning. He also has Davis Mills as the sixth quarterback um, overall. Now, in Kuyper's two-round draft, he's got Mills as the only second-round quarterback. He doesn't have Mond, Newman, Trask, or anybody else going in the second round. Only Davis Mills, and he's got him going to Washington at 51. Now, I, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I didn't really even have any familiarity with Davis Mills. He didn't play that much at Stanford. Some some caller mentioned him to me two months ago, and I go, i got to be honest with you, I don't know who that is. I know who it is now, and I've watched a lot of the film on Mills. Um, you talk about just a traditional pocket passer, no you know, elite athleticism, etc. There's a lot to them. Um, but Kuiper said Mills is the guy that's flying up the board and Washington could take him at number two. Um, and you're going to have much more on this as we get more in-depth and you've got more quarterbacks coming on Friday and more next week, and then we'll focus in and hone in on Washington's picks, possibilities at 19. But, man, Mills is the guy now. Mond and Trask and others are dropping. We've got two-plus two, two weeks, basically two weeks from tomorrow night. Things could change. Um, have you watched any of Mills? Nope. Yeah, so that's a guy for your list. I, think he's, I mean, we're going to do everybody that could go in the first three rounds. You know, that there's there's one other name that I think is intriguing. Okay. If Denver wants to move on from Locke, you're probably getting him for a second or a third. Yeah. I would take Locke for a third right now. I would I would trade a third and, and just pick up Drew Locke. You know, it's funny. We 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 had all of the conversation about the Jets at number two about what they do with Darnold. We keep talking about Denver as a possibility to draft a quarterback at number nine, but we don't talk about what they would do with Drew Locke if they did that. It's a really good point. You know, the they Dar- have to, they'd have to move him. Well, they don't have to move him. He's on his. They don't rookie. have to, but he's still got value. He's on his I mean, rookie he's deal, and he's, and he's they don't have to even worry about a fifth year option until twenty twenty three. Like Darnold, they don't have a fifth-year option on Drew Lock. Oh, that's right. He was a second-round second pick, second-rounder. Right. They'll they'll have to move him if they want to take if 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 they loved Trey Lance and and Lance falls to nine and he he very well may Lance falls to nine or if they love Fields and I think Fields will absolutely be there at nine then you got to move Lock and you're not getting a first for him. So if you're Washington. 
I would take Locke as a guy that played two years in Denver and I think is a baller as well and make that offer at least start a third and see what gets done. Yeah, you you loved Locke coming out and, um, you know, he's had some moments. I don't think he's bad in in Washington's system. I I think some of the stuff he he does – Fits the Washington systems, but he, he he's had those moments where he's he's been uh, in a few games an A quarterback, in a lot of games a C ish C minus D plus quarterback. Yeah, so you're like, okay, well, who is he? You, you, you Cooley, you could definitely. I I mean, I think we're you know we miss on this stuff a lot, but to me, it feels like a third at you know a third for Locke. I know what Darnold just brought back. But Darnold was he in was a the first re- overall pick of the draft. When Darnold was the third pick of the draft, or, the, or sorry, yeah, yeah a, um, a but, first, yeah, like a top five guy. And first, and who, was, who was the first quarterback taking Darnold here? It was Darnold right? Um, uh, no, no uh, Darnold was the uh, Darnold was the year that Mayfield was taken first, right? Yeah, Mayfield. It was uh, it was the year Mayfield was one, and then it was Darnold, and it was Rosen, and it was Allen, and then Jackson ended up at the bottom of that draft. That was twenty eighteen. I think right. I think he was that's the second right. quarterback, but he's still like the the what you. Well, you drafted him still will hold more value. You know, Lock fell to the second and proved that enough teams didn't believe in him as a first, which means you're cutting the pool of NFL teams at least in half. And then you're saying who needs quarterbacks? Like half of those teams probably didn't love Lock. Yeah, you're probably going to get a third for him. Third plot, third and a fifth. You know, I wonder if there was any in a swap, like swap something. You're not giving up the world for, for Lock. Yeah, wonder what Carolina thought of Drew Locke. That that would be the thing to see if anybody you know had any news about whether or not you know Scott Turner or Norv Turner or or Ron Rivera liked Drew Locke in that draft. Um, you know the um, the the thing about Drew Locke is he has had some good games. You know he he had a game this year against the Panthers when they were an underdog where he was outstanding. Um. I, I, let me just hold on for a second because I want to see. You know, he they had a game. If it wasn't this year, it was the year before w- w- against a really good defense where he just gutted them. It was Houston, I think, maybe two years ago. Uh, okay, so here's his rookie game log. Yeah, he had a very good game against Houston and a win over the Texans. And you're right, they weren't terrible as bad defensively. I forget where they were at that point. 38 to 24, three touchdowns, one pick, 22 of 27. Um, in his rookie year, he also had, you know, a couple of decent. You know, he's four and one as a starter. Lost to the, the only loss was to the Chiefs. Um, and then this year, I want to just see what the Carolina game was because that's the game I remember because I had Denver in that game. Uh, 21 to 27, 280 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. 32 to 27, they beat the Panthers. They he also played well against the Chiefs this year, um, and had a couple of really awful games, but also had a decent game beating the Chargers. Three touchdowns and a pick and a 31 30 win over the Chargers. Uh, you know, that is that is a really good topic, by the way. Thank you for giving me a topic for tomorrow because I haven't – I'm sure I've just missed it. You know, if Denver – and everybody believes that Denver is going to take a quarterback and there's even the possibility that Denver would trade up for a quarterback. And 
Who, you know, Drew Locke would be sitting there. Who else does Denver have on their roster as a who's their backup quarterback? I'm I'm forgetting who it is. I just know that they have a shitload of offensive weapons, which they gave him last year because they had all of those draft choices um, to uh, to draft KJ Hamler and another tight end, and they you know picked up Melvin Gordon in free agency last year, uh, and of course Jerry Judy in the first round. Their backup quarterback. Oh. It's that guy Brett Rippin who they like, right? So they they might trade Locke for a third. Would Washington give up the third they got for Trent Williams for Drew Locke, and then what? Get rid of Kyle Allen because he's eight hundred and fifty thousand bucks. I don't know. That, well, I think I think if if Denver were to trade up and take a quarterback, like let's say Denver's to go up to number four with Atlanta, Locke's part of that package. Nah, Atlanta doesn't need Locke. Yeah, he is part of that package. I don't think so. I do. Well, he's part of a package that includes, you know, next year's first and a swap this year and a second and a third. You know, Agreed. Nine, no, I, I, nine I'm, not saying it, I'm not saying they're going up five spots trading lock and swapping. They're going up five spots trading lock and next year's first. Do you know who Matt Ryan's backup is right now? I do. What, who is it? Matt, I should know. I do. Matt Schaub. Right. How yeah, old Matt is Schaub. Matt Schaub now? I don't know, but there's a reason he's in the league as long as he is. He doesn't suck. <laughs> right, like Chase Daniel. Right. He's a good backup, and that's where he's at. Um, That's an interesting thing. I mean, the, the issue would be, do they like Drew Locke more than they like Kyle Allen or Taylor Heineke? Or would they... The, well, the answer, the answer should be yes. I know what your answer is. Yeah. And then you can have Locke, you know, are you bringing in Locke, a guy who's on the third year of his deal, okay, so you got to stay. Com- he's going to compete with Fitzpatrick. Ooh, he's going to compete. He's going to compete bring in Locke, with Fitzpatrick. He's, absolute, he's absolutely going to compete. And you're saying if he doesn't win the job, great. He's going to be part of the system for a year, and we'll see what happens with Fitzpatrick. And, and if he's playing great, he's not coming out of the ballgame. But if he's hurt or not, then we'll go to Locke. And then not this season, but the next, Locke will be ready in the system. Yeah, I I got no problem. I, I think if you were to get a Locke for a third, it'd be a steal. Yeah. Well, in look, a third for a potential future starter and franchise quarterback, if you view him that way, totally worth it. He's got two years left on his deal. If he beats out Fitzpatrick, that's fine. If he doesn't, he sits behind Fitzpatrick. But if he doesn't beat him out, given how much he's already played, don't you pretty much know then? Won't no. You? No? And the reason being that Fitzpatrick's played football for 60 years. I, I understand that. And understands and grasps every concept and offense, and he's seen everything, and Locke hasn't yet. So no, I, I I think that if you were to acquire Locke, you really think about who's going to win the most games for you more than we got. We're developing a guy, right? And and in that, if Locke doesn't win the job, you still are developing a guy in the system. You know, I was just thinking, you know, Carolina, because I I think I mentioned this to you when Carolina traded for Darnold, it was like, okay, well, is Bridgewater available? The problem with Bridgewater is his contract. You know, if, if even if you like the player, like you know, a, a guy like Locke, you're getting on his rookie deal, the third year of his rookie deal. Teddy Bridgewater, you're you're paying you know twenty three million dollars to. 
or whatever it is. Yeah, Locke's going to cost you nothing. Right. All right, great job. It's going to cost you little in a trade and cost you nothing in salary. Okay, that was fun. That was fun. Great job um, today. We're back on Friday. Cooley will have more. But there were there was a really good film breakdown there of Mac Jones um, and some real – you were a bit – um, you were a bit wishy-washy, I think, on Justin Fields the other day. I don't think you came out and said what you really believe, which is that you wouldn't draft him. You know, you did say second-round grade, but because it's a quarterback, he'll go in the first round. And you were not nearly as harsh on him as you were Dwayne Haskins, who you essentially begged Washington not to take. You did, you do not feel that way about Justin Fields at all. But you, well, I think he's better than Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, but you were not impressed. Like this is. I don't love him. Yeah. No, I think I think you got a <clears throat> lot of ground to make up. All right, with Fields, go fishing or do whatever you got to do, and I'll talk to you on Friday. See ya. Back tomorrow with Tommy.